Network News. Where we give you a new perspective. On events happening in our world today. This is GNN. This is God Network News, Episode 20. Welcome, GNN fans, to another episode of God Network News, the podcast that tells you what God's doing around the world, not what CNN tells you, but what GNN tells you is going on in the world. If you're tired of listening to all of that crisis network news and you want to hear what God's doing, well, give us a listen. We've got a great episode for you today with uh, Fred Markert, another great testimony and story from Fred Markert about what God's doing around the world. I want to start by apologizing for not doing a podcast for a while. I was in Hawaii with my wife, uh, yes, doing some ministry, and also when I got back, I went in for dental surgery and have four wisdom teeth removed, and I've been uh, writhing in pain and anguish ever since then for a while. So thank you for those that have been praying for us to get back on the air. I'm back and rocking and rolling for Jesus, and uh, so pretty soon I'll be feeling 100% and we'll get right back into it. But we've got an exciting program for you today. And so uh, snuggle right up to Fred Margaret as he shares again with us what God's doing around the world. I said, I know this is illegal, but would you take us back to the Punakad song? He said, oh, this is very illegal. We could all go to jail. I said, yeah, but I think it'll be okay. He said, why? Are you interested in Tibetan Buddhism? I said, oh, I'm very interested in Tibetan Buddhism. I didn't want to tell him why, though. And so he said, okay, I'll take you. And he snuck us out of the hotel and into the van, and we got to the Punakad song, you guys. And it was just like a spooky movie. It was pitch black. They have no streetlights or anything. The candles flickering in the windows. The monks are chanting om, on my own. All the chanting. Lightning, you know. It was was just like a spooky Frankenstein movie. And we were just marching around the Punakad Zong. We were walking around it praying, God, bring breakthrough in this place. God, plant your kingdom. God, open the door for missionaries. God, do a big work. God, use your church. Bozo people like us, use us to turn the world around. And we got all the way around and we're there at the bottom of the ramp and I saw that hole. <laughs> and I was just like, I told the pastor, he was, there was a pastor from Kansas City, I said, Ben, I said, let's go up into the hole. I just have to go into the hole. This is a prophetic hole where there's going to be a breakthrough for the kingdom. It's only symbolic. I want to stand there again. What I didn't tell Ben is I had an assignment from God. I had a Bible, and God had told me to plant the Bible in the wall just as a symbolic prayer, you know, for that the word of God would be established in Bhutan. So uh, Ben was like freaking out. We can't go up there. There was You could see the soldiers at the top with their machine guns. You know, he said, we can't go up there. We'll get shot, you know. And we're standing there under this tree at the bottom of the ramp, pitch black, and this 
Buddhist dude, this uh, guy, a Bhutanese dude, starts walking, and so we kind of plastered ourselves against the tree so he wouldn't see us, and he bumps right into us, you know, and sees us and freaks out. He said, foreigners, foreigners aren't allowed here. You're going to get arrested and put in jail. We said, yeah, we're foreigners, we're foreigners, but, you know, uh, it's okay. I said, our van driver brought us here, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So... And so he calmed down a little bit, and then he said, um, I, you're looking at the hole. He said, why are you looking at that hole? Are you interested in the hole? I said, oh, yes, I'm very interested in the hole. He said, I am the main engineer on the project to fix the hole. He said, you must be engineers, because only engineers would be in, interested in the hole and the repairs. And the pastor, Ben, says, yes, we're engineers. <laughs> and I looked at him like, dude, what are you saying? If you're in sin, you know, God will, you know. And so later I said, Ben, what were you thinking? He said, well, well, we're actually engineering a whole new world order. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so the guy said, Ben said, we're engineers. And the guy said, would you like to go see our work in the hole? And I said, oh, yes, I'd very much like to go see your work in the hole. You guys, God can open doors for you to do strategic ministry that will break demonic strongholds and bring freedom to whole nations. Listen, he can do this. So the engineer said, I give you permission to go up into the hole. I said, woohoo. And I grabbed this young guy, Rick. He was about 20. I said, Rick, you're coming with me. And I grabbed the pastor. We all went up. And as we're going up, you know, the guards didn't know we had permission. So we knew we had to not be seen or they're going to shoot us, which wouldn't be happy, you know. So, so we got it. We crawled up quietly. And the wall is like 15 foot thick. And I started digging in the dirt to put the Bible in. And as we were digging, some of the rocks fell down. The guards hear it. They would come rushing down, point their machine guns. We would put ourselves up in the shadows against the wall till they went away. And then we'd get out and start digging again, you know. And more rocks would fall. And they'd come down, pointing their machine guns. We'd plaster ourselves against the sides of the wall. After the second time, the pastor and his wife ran down. And they're at the bottom saying, come down, you're going to get shocked. (laughs) You know, we can't stay there. They had told me they always wanted to go on a prayer journey with me. After this prayer journey, they said, we're never going with you again. (laughs) You know, we'd heard all these stories. You wanted in on it. Now we decided we don't. (laughs) And so Rick, this 20-year-old dude, was starting to go down after them. And I grabbed him. And I said, Rick, you stay right here. I said, I need you to help me. Dude, we have an assignment from the living God. He wants us to plant a Bible in here as a testimony that his word will be established in Bhutan. I said, stand here and see the deliverance of our God. And so he started to help me dig. It took us another 15 minutes to dig a hole big enough. We put that Bible in there. We covered up with stone and and dirt and we snuck down. And brothers and sisters, uh, God did a big thing, you know. Months and months later, the report came out. Um, and it's only, it's not magic, you guys. The Bible's not magic. This stuff isn't magic. It's just a prophetic prayer act, like we see many times in scriptures. But it's an action that shows our faith and belief in God, you know, and brings prayer and spiritual warfare. And a few months later, a report came that one of the main monks in the monastery got radically saved through having an encounter with some Christians and left the monastery and is now being used by God to preach the gospel over Bhutan. So there's a big breakthrough. It was awesome. And they finished building that hole, and I am here to report to you in the very 15-foot thick wall, 1,500-year-old 
Anatoksang, Punakatsang Monastery, the word of God is established as a symbol that someday his word will be the foundation, destroy all the, the demonic darkness, and bring freedom to the people. Well, here's another thing. We wanted to go, there was another monastery. In fact, this was the one I really wanted to get to. This was the, the Toksong Monastery, 10,000 feet up the side of a cliff. This is the very root of Tibetan Buddhism in this country. And so I wanted to go there. They believe this guru flew in on a magic tiger, landed there, preached Tibetan Buddhism through the country. So we wanted to go there. We uh, were climbing up. You can see it's way up on this cliff. It's intense. You know, here are some of us that went up. And you get to a point where you look down, and then you have to go around this deep crevasse, you know, like this. And you're looking down 10,000 feet. You know, and they said, oh, we lose about six tourists a year, kind of fall over. <laughs> so we're praying, Jesus, 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 you know, as we went around. We got right to the steps, you guys, and they don't let you in. Only Buddhists can go in. And I sat on the steps, and I prayed a prayer. I said, God, I didn't come 12,500 miles just to sit here and not get into this monastery. This is the root of demonic darkness. You can do it. You can open doors that no man can close. God, do it. And so I was praying. Rick, this young kid, was praying. We prayed for a half hour. Nothing happened. So I said, okay. Some, you know, Jesus said when they were trying to cast out a demon and the apostles couldn't, he said, this kind only come out with prayer and fasting. So I said, this one probably needs some fasting too. Prayer's not working. So I said, God, I'm starting a fast. And you guys, I fasted like five minutes. <laughs> and after a five-minute fast, added on to the praying, the main monk starts walking down the stairs. And he says, and English is the national language. He says, I have heard that you want to come into Taksong. I said, yes, I would very much like to come into Taksong. He said, I am the abbot, the main guy over the whole monastery. He said, I would like to invite you into Taksong. He, he said, you will be the first non-Buddhist ever in history to set foot in Taksong. And I said, woohoo, Jesus, we're getting into the core, the root, the very root of demonic darkness. And I grabbed Rick because I said, Rick, you're young. I'm a geezer. I'm 45. So it took me 35 years of ministry to build up the spiritual authority that God could open this door. But I want to bring you in with me to fast track you in the spiritual realm so you stand on our shoulders and our generation, go farther, go faster, go deeper into the the four corners of the earth, bringing the kingdom of God. So, Rick, we went in, and you guys have started snapping pictures, you know. And these are the only pictures ever from inside Taksong. Here's the entrance to a cave where they would go in to meditate. Here's an old monk who had come up to die. And while we were in there, I prayed, God, what is it you want us to pray? I, you know, I'm your servant. I just want to pray things that I can make up in my mind. God, what should I pray? What's your godly prayer? And the Lord just gave me this verse in Hebrews that says, Our God's a consuming fire. So a half hour, I walked around praying, our God's a consuming fire, our God's a consuming fire. And it was also during praying through the window, millions of Christians praying as well. Millions. So nothing is ever the work of one person, you guys. Never think that. Even if you're the one who leads someone to the Lord, you're just the one who got to harvest him. Paul planted, Apollos watered. There's all kinds of people involved in everything God does. Anyway, we're up there, and I'm praying, our God's a consuming fire. Three months later... I get a phone call from the pastor in Kansas City. She said, did you see the newspapers? And he faxed me the headlines of the newspaper. It said this, Buddhist monastery destroyed by fire. And when I read that, I was like, whoa, dude, God, you're a dude, man. God's a studly dude, you know? 
Buddhist monastery destroyed by fire. And you read the story, New Delhi, India, fires destroyed the 1,200-year-old Taksong Monastery, the most venerated Buddhist monastery in the reclusive Himalayan kingdom of Bhutan. It talks about how all the monks got out safely. No one was hurt. Remember, God wants to destroy idolatry, but have mercy on people. He never destroys people. He destroys structures of idolatry. And so... uh, the story, was, it, the story went on to say, how could Taksong burn to the ground? It was made of solid rock, but the rock burned. This is so weird. And it's, the story said it shook the faith of the Tibetan Buddhists who said, if our gods could not even protect our most holy monastery, maybe they're not as strong as we thought they were. And it started to open, shake the faith of some of the Tibetan Buddhists. And brothers and sisters, there were Nepali Christians living in Bhutan, not very many Bhutanese Christians. And you guys, God anointed them to win many Bhutanese people to the Lord, and there was a big breakthrough for the kingdom of God. There are now underground churches uh, planted in Bhutan as a result of being shaken to the core of their faith by this. In fact, I was just talking with a field missionary from Bhutan. He said, conservatively, Fred, that since this happened, there are now 2,000 brand new Bhutanese Christians in this country. God is establishing his church. It's an awesome thing, you guys. We're all part of one big team. Let me tell you a couple DTS stories. Uh, Look at Psalm 72. All nations will be blessed through him. They will call him blessed. The whole earth will be filled with his glory. Let me tell you about a DTS team in Egypt. Egypt, a Muslim country. It was a DTS team from uh, South Africa. They went to Cairo. Uh, to do ministry in Cairo. And while they're in Cairo, they said, there's this cool thing called Al-Azhar University. It was the oldest Muslim university in the world, founded in 969 AD, and uh, it's the main university, the most respected in all of Islam. They said, let's go to Al-Azhar and do some outreach in Al-Azhar, the main university for all Muslims everywhere around the world. And here's a picture of the courtyard where you can go into the courtyard and debate with all the Muslim professors. So they would go there for a week debating all the professors at Al-Azhar, the main Muslim university in the world, all in the shadows, listening for the whole week in one of these little, like, alcoves in the shadows was the professor of jihad, who teaches jihad. And he listened to the YWAMers on DTS Outreach talking to all the Muslim professors for the whole week, and God touched his heart and warmed his heart. He went to the DTSers. He said, I want to become a follower of Jesus. And this DTS team got to lead... The a professor of jihad at Al-Azhar lead him to the Lord. <laughs> so he got radically saved. Yeah. God wants to use you guys on outreach to change the nation. Psalm 86, all the nations you have made will come and worship. God wants all the nations. They will bring glory to your name. India, oh, I love this one. This is like 97, a story from 1997 at our base. I love it. We love to bring... Uh, DTSers to India because God, God's moving. Thousands publicly baptized every day in India. But not enough work happening. You know, the church may be only 3% of India, so over a billion people still need the gospel. But let me tell you a story. We love to bring people out to this area of India. And uh, we had flown in a DTS team, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, who had never been out of their home countries, Europeans, Americans, Canadians. And they'd been like 30 hours in planes, landed in Mumbai, in Bombay, over here, jet-lagging, you know, tired. They get off the plane. There's all of India, which is inc- it's the most incredibly unique country, guys. And they kind of freaked out, jet-lagging in culture shock, you know, seeing India. 
And one of our Indian YWAMers, Natin, met them at the airport. And we were going to put them in a hotel that night, and then the next day put them on a train out to some of these villages in this region of India. You guys are 600,000 villages in India have never heard the gospel. And so we've got a village for you if you're bored. <laughs> no reason for any Christian to be bored. You can have your own village in India <laughs> to preach the gospel, eat great food, <laughs> you know, and win people to Christ. Anyway, Natin puts all our YWAMers in five taxis, gives the directions to the hotel. Four taxis go to the hotel. The fifth taxi driver forgot the directions to the hotel. And he couldn't speak English, and our YWAMers couldn't speak Hindi. And there were three girls in the back seat, and a guy named, we'll call him John. I don't want to use his real name. His name John in the front seat. And John was a little weird, I just have to tell you. Um... During worship, John would act out the worship songs. So he's in the back of the classroom one day. We're singing some song about taking off all the clothes of unrighteousness and putting on the robes of righteousness. And then the DTS leader looks back, and John is stripping, and he had his pants down and had his hands on his underwear about to, you know, act out the song And when they finally tackled him, okay? <laughs> Okay, so just to show you how God uses, like God uses all of us, you guys. We're all he's got, so he's got to use us. And this DTS had been particularly bad. We couldn't get some of the guys to wash their clothes. They refused to wash their clothes because, you know, they're used to mom washing their clothes. So instead of washing their underwear, they'd make a Walmart run every Saturday to get new underwear, okay? That's serious. We get them there. This taxi driver is lost in the middle of Bombay in the slums. And the girls in the back seat say, well, you know, we better pray. God has a plan to rescue us. And they prayed. And they said, John, here's the plan. God told us. In the back seat, we'll pray. God will give us directions. Then we'll lay hands on you. And you will turn to the taxi driver and speak in tongues. And John said, I don't like this plan. We need a different plan. They said, nope, this is God's plan. And the girls prayed. And the first girl in the backseat that heard from God, her name was Sherry, and she heard like, go three blocks, turn right, to a train station, turn right. They laid hands on Ed, who spoke in tongues to the taxi driver. He smiles, nods yes, goes three blocks to a train station, turns right. They pray again in the back seat. The second girl, Danelle, hears from God. They give the directions. Ed speaks in tongues. The taxi driver nods yes, follows the directions, and in five minutes, they find themselves at the door of the hotel. What an awesome way to start your outreach. The next day, Natin brings them uh, out to this region of of India to a village that never heard the gospel and also had no rain for about a year. And if they didn't get rain soon, they would never rice harvest. And so when they got to the village, all the Indians came to see the foreigners. And one of the 19-year-old dudes uh, got really excited seeing all these, you know, Hindus coming. And he started to preach, you know. Uh, And he was saying, you guys haven't had rain for a year and the reason is you worship idols. And the DTS leader's like, good preaching, man, that's scriptural, you know, keep preaching. And then he said, if you will repent from your idolatry, then God will bless you. And the DTS leader, his name was Jimbo, he's going, oh, good preaching, that's scriptural, preach it, bro. And then the guy got really excited, and he said, I want to prove to you that we serve the one true God, and you don't. He said, you haven't had rain for a year. Tomorrow we're coming back to your village. The second we put our foot in your village, the rain will come for the first time in a year to prove that we serve the one true God, and you serve idols. And Jimbo, the DTS leader, said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. He started praying. Oh, my gosh. What is he saying? Oh, God. 
I asked Jimbo later, what were you thinking? He said, Fred, honest to goodness, I was thinking, dude, you won't even wash your underwear and you're prophesying rain in the nations? <laughs> God only has us. If he can't use us, who's he going to use? <laughs> if he can use people like this, he can use you, okay? I'm sure you have better hygiene. They come back to class, uh, to the village the next day. The second they put their foot in the village, suddenly thunder and lightning in the heavens. The rain came pouring down for the first time in a year. All the Hindus come out. They preach the gospel. Forty Hindus knelt down in the mud, got radically saved. Here's a picture of just the men who got saved that day. We traipsed them down to the river. Here's Jimmo uh, there and Natin, and we're baptizing them in the river. And it's illegal in many parts of India to get baptized, so the police came and arrested everyone. And Jimbo was like, woohoo! I got arrested for preaching in the Hindu world. Last outreach, I got arrested for preaching in the Muslim world. Next outreach, the Buddhist world. I want to be arrested in every major religion for preaching Jesus. And so they get arrested. And they're going to the police station. And Natin told me the story just a couple months later. He came to visit us in Colorado. He said, Fred, it was amazing. In the police van, there was an 80-year-old white-haired man who got saved. And the police started yelling at him, what's wrong with you? You're at the end of your life. And look at you. You're turning away from the gods of our forefathers. You're following this foreign god. You are a disgrace to your family, your country. What's wrong? And Natin said, this 80-year-old, white-haired Hindu man looked at the policeman and said, all my life I have prayed to our Hindu gods, and they have never once answered my prayers. He said, one time I prayed to Jesus and asked for rain, and he sent the rain. I will, I will serve him all the rest of the days of my life. And you guys, this is the kind of thing God wants to do. Even on, This was a DTS outreach of people who didn't wash their underwear. So I can't imagine what God wants to do through you. You guys, Natin reported to me that the news of this miracle went far and wide in the whole region. And in two years, over 350 churches were planted amongst the Marathi people by the Indian YWAMers and Christians working with short-term teams from North America because of this this news of this great miracle that impacted the whole region. Do not think that God is not going to use you on outreach to change nations. God can use the little rock of your life and turn it into a big mountain that will fill the whole earth. Ooh, it's a cool thing. Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not overcome it. He said it again this way in Matthew 28. He said, I have all authority, every bit of it in heaven and earth. I have won all authority. Therefore, here's what I want you to do. I want you to settle down in the suburbs, live a good Christian life, raise good kids, and tell your neighbors about Jesus, but only if they ask you first. <laughs> Is that what Jesus told us to do with all his authority that he had won from the devil? He won authority over the earth. No, he said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Brothers and sisters, God has won the ultimate spiritual victory in history. He calls us to bring that victory to all the nations of the earth. And we get to partner with this great God. And when Jesus said that scripture, he said it to the entire body of Christ. It was all Christians gathered there. It wasn't a few. He wasn't saying, you missionary, the ones with the call, you go into all the world. He said to the whole body, you must go. 
that means we're all living under the command to go, my friends. Some of us go by going long-term as missionaries. Most go by staying home and living a proactive life as sending missionaries. But all of us have to go, either by going or by staying home and living a radical life to make money so we can give it to the church and missions, to raise a family so we can you know, stabilize, you know, bring the gospel to our own country and raise up our young kids, some to be missionaries to go to the four corners of the earth. We've got to be radical, you guys. There's no hope to stop all the demonic darkness penetrating the planet other than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The problem in the world is sinful human hearts. The UN just reported a few months ago that over the past 40 years, $440 billion has been given to African aid, and they report the Nigerian leaders alone have embezzled and stolen $440 billion. And so all the aid that's given through the UN and other earthly institutions gets embezzled because of sin and selfishness in leaders' hearts, see? So how do you change that? Do we have the UN give more money to Africa? Is that going to fix Africa? No way. It is not going to fix Africa. The only thing that's going to fix Africa is Christ's church going there in the power of the Holy Spirit, preaching the gospel, changing selfish hearts into loving hearts so that when good things come, they don't wind up in a Swiss bank account. They really impact Africa. The United Nations can't change Africa. The U.S. government can't change Africa. The Red Cross can't change Africa. Nothing can change Africa except the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are God's only hope for the world. And if the church really believed this, we'd be sending out hundreds of thousands of new missionaries. If we only believe this, the church doesn't believe we're the only hope for the world. That's a message the church has to get. But you really are the only hope for the world. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You guys, let me just show you. Oh, we've got to quit. I'm sorry. Are you bored or tired? Who's bored? You're not bored or tired? Okay. You guys, I was meditating on how we are the only hope for the world. And it struck me about a month ago. I was thinking about all the prayers that define religion. I just want to show you one way, one thing, to plant it in you. You guys, we are God's only hope for the world. Nothing else can change the world. Missions, planning the gospel. I was thinking of the prayers that defined religions. You guys know Islam means submission. You know, submission. And I was thinking about all the prayers that define different religions. And which one might have some hope for the world? And in Islam, their prayer that defines them is, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. You can almost hear underlying it, and you'd better believe it or else. Submission, see? You can almost hear that, you know, underneath that. Then there's the prayer that defines, like, Tibetan Buddhism. Om Mane Padme Om, you know. They chant it all the time, Om Mane Padme Om, Om Mane. It's this demonic thing you hear all over Tibetan Buddhist countries, okay? And that's their prayer that defines their religion. You know what it means? It means, hail the jewel in the lotus. Whoa, deep revelation there. <laughs> It's a nonsensical thing. And so they chant this because their answer for the world is to disengage and just kind of zone out. See, that's their thing. We disengage, zone out, and kind of go into a netherland. See? And then I thought, what is the prayer that defines us? And you can do all the religions and look at the prayers that define them. And you're going to see something radically different about the prayer that defines us. It starts like this. Our Father. We have a personal God. 
a loving God, a tender God, a merciful God, a compassionate God, a real God who interacts. He's personal. It's not some Om Mane Padme Om, let's ignore everything happening. It's not our God rocks and you better serve him or else, you know, there is no God but Allah, Muhammad is his prophet. It's a personal, loving father, God. And then it says this, here is the core thing that makes us different than any other religious group in the world, you guys. In our prayer, God says this, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Extending forgiveness is one of the core values in Christianity that you don't find in any other religion. You don't find that in Islam. You don't find that in Buddhism. You don't find it in these other religions. But forgiveness, expressing forgiveness, is the core, one of the cores of who we are. And God wanted to drive that point so deep into us that he said, I want you to remember, you guys, your sins will be forgiven as you forgive those who sin against you. In other words, you better learn to forgive people because if you want to be forgiven, you're going to be forgiven the same way you forgive others. So in our defining prayer, God says, I want you to be a people of forgiveness. I want you to be people of grace, a people who release hurts that others have done to you, a people who release the love of God and the redemption of God. No other religion has that, you guys. We are the only hope for the world, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ through his people. No other religion has this hope, that there's a better way to live through releasing um, what we have ought against each other. You guys, we're God's answer. And so we need to do something really radical, you guys. Uh, I've studied a lot about the world. I travel a lot. I try to stay in touch. And I've talked with lots of other mission strategists. And we agree, if we're going to get the gospel, if we're going to be the people of God to get this great message in your generation to all the corners of the earth, we must do some things. We need 200,000 brand new missionaries in the next 10 years. Let me talk about North America because we're here in North America. We need 100,000 to come out of North America because we've got lots of Christians, lots of bucks, the ability. We need 100,000 new missionaries in the next 10 years to set in place processes that will bring the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth. They need to be regularly prayed for. I go to churches all over the world and I'm saying, you've got to send missionaries, but you just don't send them and leave them out there. You pray for them all the time in your church. You give them lots. Lots of bucks, man. They don't need to be struggling for bucks out on the field. You support your missionaries. And I say, you send short-term teams to help them. Because you know what? There's not enough long-term missionaries to do all the work. We need short-termers coming to help us as part of long-term strategies to reach the nations. But you guys, we need 100,000 out of North America. And where we send them is really critical. And one of the things I, uh, that I've been saying there is we need young missionaries. I say young all the time. And here's a visual picture of why. Some of the guys asked me to show this. They saw it last year. Here's me, age 20, total babe magnet. Okay? I was delusional, okay? Leave me in my delusion. It feels good. Here's me, age 50, women flee in terror. That's me right off a plane from India 30 hours. I snapped a picture. This is a visual picture of why we need young missionaries. If I go to China or India or somewhere, I'm going to collapse dead in about three months. If you go to China or India, you know, you're going to have a fruitful ministry for 20 or 30 years. You guys, we need 100,000 brand new young missionaries. And I think YWAM should do our part, us YWAMers. I hope God is stirring some of your hearts through this conference to be one of those 100,000. Let me aim you in a couple places. China, you guys. 
the largest country on earth. Look at what Newsweek says. It's China's century. They're right. China will be a superpower. Let's get them saved so they're a happy superpower. And then the whole world will be happy. Okay, China, prime target. Northern India, second largest country on earth. Going to be the largest country on earth. That's Cascade, aren't you? YWAM Cascade. They're focused on northern India. Northern India, the Himalayas, deep demonic darkness, hundreds of millions of people. We need to see breakthrough there. Between China and India, two largest countries on earth, we need tons of brand new missionaries going to these two places. I have, I believe something cataclysmic is going to happen in Iran, you guys, in the next year, two years, three years. Either an internal revolution or something's going to happen. And in this heart of this theocratic Islamic country, I believe God wants to bring his freedom and plant the church. The latest Iranian government survey says 90% of the people in Iran hate the Ayatollahs and radical, radical Islam. 70% say they want to be best friends with the U.S. and have a government pattern after the U.S. and have American friends. I think God's getting ready to do a big thing in Iran and North Americans are going to have a big role to play in it because they love us. So Iran, China, India, I want you to be praying about Iran and also Europe, you guys. I believe... Europe is a strategic mission field for many reasons. The growth of Islam in Europe, uh, the growth of secularism. But you guys, for the first time, the young people are getting caught up in spiritual stuff like uh, New Age and the occult and Satanism. So they believe in a spiritual realm, just the wrong one. We've got to fix them. And so Europe, I believe, is a strategic target for the Lord Jesus. And Tillman, I'm sorry, we don't have time. It's getting late. Or if we go 15 more minutes, are you guys okay? Are you okay? Tillman, come on up here, my friend. Let me tell you, let me, while he's coming, let me talk to you a little bit. Ah, I won't tell you that. That's a cool thing. You guys, I believe we have great opportunities in Europe. And I want to give you practical stuff to do. Come on up here and you're, you're later hosing. <laughs> All I can say is you are a brave man. <laughs> you are a very brave man. Tillman is my buddy. Uh, he's interpreted for me all over Germany. We put on thousands of kilometers in a motorhome, traveling across Germany preaching. And so he's one of my best buds that's, in Germany. That's just for you, okay? <laughs> now, yeah, the later hosen. God bless you. Listen, you guys, God is using your generation to change the world. People like Tillman, this is one of my heroes. God wants to raise you guys up as strong leaders, you know, out in the nations of the earth. Now listen, China, India, I believe God's getting ready to do something in Iran. I'm hoping God plants Iran in some of your hearts. And Europe, you guys, Europe is critical. And there's a practical thing we can do for Europe. And DTS leaders, I want you to listen up. Next year we have an opportunity and a project Tillman's going to be leading. Ah, how can we do this? Uh, let's use this. Here, take that. <laughs> Sweet. And I'm going to stand behind you. <laughs> <laughs> we've done many weird things in Europe, yes, too. <laughs> many. We've done many weird things as we traveled Europe. Once he had a thing like this stuck on his face with a duct tape. <laughs> anyway, hey, it's wonderful Sorry. to be here. And I love America. You guys have blessed us very, very much. And I'm grateful for that. Oh, there you go. There is a nice, nice That's one. That's more graceful. <laughs> Great. Hey, just very quickly, I believe Germany has a, has a role to play in world missions. And you, got, you, got, you guys know there's a, there's a big power in Germany. And do you want me to do, do you? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and I just want to tell you quickly a bit about what God is doing there. Um, yeah, for me it's very special to be here because I, I love Colorado Springs. I've lived there for one year, so it feels like home. And right now I'm a bit, I'm a bit nervous and really, <laughs> really amazed because I love Fred's stories. Don't you love them? Yeah. And you know what? Five years ago, it was on a missions conference in Germany. I heard those stories and God zapped me and I got called into missions. That's why I'm standing here. So I just want to encourage you for what's going to happen on outreach because um, those um, four years ago or four and a half years ago, I was in Venezuela and I received a vision from God and I'm about to share you about this. Um, what we really believe for Germany is we want to see that Germany is going to be re-Christianized. Uh, in Germany, you know, I know it's a real, real big church there, but you know, when we go on the streets and we ask kids about about um, Easter, they talk about the, you know, the Easter rabbit. If we talk to them about Christmas and ask them, hey, what is Christmas about? They say Santa Claus, and so it's really, it's really falling. It's true. And another thing we really want to see is we want to see 10,000 missionaries released from Germany to go to this place where you go to. Amen. And Next year is going to be crazy. God is on the move for Germany. And it's going to be intense for God's kingdom. And it's going to be intense for the kingdom of darkness as well. There is an evangelization reaching about one million people. Then the World Cup is going to happen. That's actually what I want to invite you to. There are five million guests there and 20,000 expected missionaries. But just that you know that the devil is really battling for Europe, is really battling for Germany. Um, we just found out that there is a network of pimps, you know, who have those brothels. And they're raising 20,000 prostitutes to come to Germany next year for the Soccer World Cup. So you see this battle about the souls, you know, trying to take people away. And then they will be calling all nations to Berlin. We're expecting 80,000 worshippers, warriors, to come to the Olympic Stadium, where 70 years ago Hitler called the youth youth of the world to come and worship the devil and now it's seven years ago and it's the year of jubilee and we're seeing mighty things happening in there it's crazy yeah. praise the lord and this is a word to anybody who wants to come next year it's a word to the dts leaders to mission adventures guys to single persons who want to come to church people anybody who wants to come we're organizing for you outreach opportunities in 12 cities um, You'll be on the streets, in schools, in soccer camps, concerts. We have a, a samba band from Brazil. We have a reggae band from Barbados. Anything, anything works. Just come. We um, organize accommodation and context for you. We have a big conference for you. And many, many more outreach opportunities. It's from June to July. Please come and help us and let's launch this big wave. Um, send teams spread um, infos and environment. Please give us your email. We want to send a, a big email wave. And please pray with us. And yeah, we're really, really looking forward to what God is going to do. And I, I strongly believe as we send missions, this is going to you know, turn into sending missions, missionaries. So please come with us and pray. And yeah, can we pray for one? Let's pray one at, second, the, end at the end. Yeah, yeah. Let's send, okay. a, send a prayer over there. But the thanks end. very much for everything you do. And maybe we see you next year in Germany. Thanks, Tillman. We'll put it here. Tillman rocks. You guys, China, here's some things I want to put in your minds. 
that maybe God would lead you there. China, India, God's going to do a big thing in Iran. Let's play our part for North America. Europe needs to be re-Christianized, you guys. I think Germany is a great place to start. Here's a practical thing you can do next year. We just had a big conference there. I just flew in from being over there, you guys. We had thousands of people in a big stadium. I gave a missions call. And I don't like to give a big emotional missions call. I don't like people to make decisions out of emotion because they don't last very long. I like people to make decisions out of a choice of the will of their heart. And I did a very non-emotional moment. I said, how many of you Germans will dedicate the rest of your lives to be career missionaries, to go to the darkest corners of the earth, to be agents of change, to bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? You guys... The aisles flooded instantly. Literally hundreds and hundreds of Germans came down dedicating their lives to missions. Here's just some of the pictures. There's probably about 300 Germans who came forward and said, here, are, here we are, send us God. You guys, it was awesome. God is raising up a global army to go out and have exploits like we've been talking about, like I've been talking about here tonight. God can use you. Your life isn't too small. You're not too much of a bozo. God knows. Even the sins and stuff in your heart. Listen, he's purifying you. You're working that out. But he's got no one else to use. If he doesn't use us, who's he going to use? So the great message of grace is it's not the zeal of, uh, it's not our zeal. It's the zeal of the Lord of hosts through normal people just like us that change the world. And I want to give you the same opportunity I gave to the Germans and say some of you here, you've been here in this conference, you've been in DTS, you're getting a little taste of what missions is all about. You're going to get a whole big, another big dose of it on outreach. But some of you, God is calling to be long-term career missionaries, to be agents of change, to be light bearers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be uh, channels of his forgiveness to the world. Forgiveness, that message, and the love of an all-forgiving, merciful, compassionate God. Some of you want to be challenges, uh, be channels of that to the nations. Some of you weren't thinking about it, but in this conference, God's been gripping your heart. Some of you in these moments, God's touching. I want to give you the same opportunity I gave the Germans. We're not going to be all emotional, not even going to have Trey come and do music. God, the Holy Spirit doesn't need any help to talk to our hearts, does he? So I just want us to bow our heads and let me pray for you. And I want God just just give... God a minute to speak to your hearts so we can kind of hear from him Lord and God I just lift up my friends God I thank you when I look out and I see them I see God an army but not an army armed with weapons of destruction God an army armed with your love your compassion your tenderness your mercy your forgiveness your hope for the world your light your life God An army of life-giving soldiers that don't come in war or aggression, that become with the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ as followers of the Prince of Peace. That's what I see, God. The The world needs this army, this kind of army, more than anything else right now. God, and I cry out to you, our world needs the Prince of Peace right now. The whole world needs the Prince of Peace. We need the wonderful Counselor, the Almighty God, the Everlasting Father. God, and, and my heart, God, is stirred for literally the billions uh, who've never heard your name, the two billion who haven't heard the name of Christ, Lord, and the three billion in the 1040 window who are, who are mostly out of range of the Gospel, God. And my heart beats, Father God, for Europe that once, once knew you and now has turned its back on you. 
and I know you want to call it back to you like a prodigal son and see your gospel established there with great strength again so that the European young people will rise up with great power and shoulder to shoulder with the Americans and the Brazilians and the Koreans and the Indians and the Chinese and the Canadians and uh, our Africans and Nigerians and, and South Africans that shoulder to shoulder, God, we would go to the four corners of the earth as agents of transformations, bearers of the light and life of the Lord Jesus Christ, God. That's what, I, that's what I see when I look out over this crowd, Lord. Your great hope for the world. God, and I know, God, you have no other plan. You have no other plan to reach the world than through your church, Father God. And so I pray for your, this part of the church that's gathered here tonight, that you would do a deep work in their hearts. Father God, I pray you begin to touch their hearts by your Holy Spirit. Some know they have a missions call. Some didn't know they had a missions call. But I pray in these moments you would call them, Father God. We need 100,000 out of North America in the next 10 years. God, that sounds like such a big number. But to you it's nothing, God. I know it's nothing. And I know we can't preach that into existence. And I know we can't work it into existence in our own humanity. We're just going to get tired and beat our heads against the wall. And Lord, if it's not the work of your Holy Spirit... Father, we have no hope, and we know it would only be wood, hay, and stubble. But Father, we want gold, silver, and precious jewels. We want the work of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would be here in this room right now, just gently blowing as a breeze through the souls, spirits of my brothers and sisters. And you'd be tapping them and saying, yes, you, and you, and you, I want you to be a light bearer of the Lord Jesus Christ, to bear his love and forgiveness to a dark and dying world. God, and I just want to give you a moment, God, of quietness for you to touch hearts. So I ask, God, that your Holy Spirit would do a work that I could never do or that Amy couldn't do, that no one who organizes conference could do, a work that we cannot do in our flesh, but only you can do, and that is birth your vision for the nations in the hearts of my brothers and sisters. We want to remind all of you, we do have a phone number here in the United States that you can call for free. It's uh, area code 206-350-7001, and you can leave us a voice message on that. Or you can go right to our website that is at podomatic.com, and that's uh, godnews.podomatic.com. If you go to that website, you can also record a comment just by clicking on record a comment. And you can also join our mailing list, which we would really like. And you can also send us an email at godnews at podomatic.com. And make sure, please, that you click on the vote for us at godcast1000.com and some of the other podcast search engines that are there. Please vote for us. We appreciate your loyalty to keep coming back to us and keep downloading uh, these episodes. And we trust that they'll be a continued blessing to you.
Lord. 